My name is Mr. Adam X, and you're listening to The Pursuit on the Out of Bounds Network. My guest this week is Stephanie Bishop. She is a Long Islander, a Long Islander, uh, and and somehow an an ultra endurance athlete. I don't know how many Long Islanders are ultra athletes, but Stephanie's one of them. Uh, she just got the FKT, fastest known time for the New Hampshire 48, which is the 48 4,000 foot of vertical or plus peaks in New Hampshire. She's a superstar. She's won, I think, world's toughest mutter a couple of times. I'm recording outside, so if you hear that bird just cawing, uh, I literally have a 12-hour window that I'm not on an airplane or traveling right now, so I apologize for that. She's a vegan athlete. She's a superstar. She's got, I think she's won the death race a couple of times. She's won the world's toughest mutter a couple of times. She humors maybe going back to do the world's toughest mutter. We'll find out. Follow her at Steph Adventures, S-T-E-F Adventures on Instagram. She's super active on social. She's a great follow. She was an amazing guest. So here it is. All right. I am Stephanie Bishop. I am an ultra endurance athlete. I compete in multi-sport events. Uh, and my specialty, I guess, is 24 hours and beyond. I don't like anything less than that. That's why I am as an athlete, as a person. I'm a whole other person outside of that. <laughs> so how do, you, how do you find that out? How do you find out that like, oh, I'm good at things 24 hours or longer? Uh, you just dive right in and you realize like that's something that you really enjoy to do. For me, I've always been an athlete all my life, um, a team sports, yada, 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 growing up, um, didn't actually compete in college, which I'm really happy about because uh, I got to like do the real college experience. And I, let's be real. I was not going to become a professional lacrosse player. Um, and then after college, I started, uh, I got into triathlon. A uh, colleague of mine at the time was like, you should do triathlon, you'd love it. And I really liked it. But in the back of my head, uh, I think it's around the year 2000, 2001, I saw Eco Challenge on TV, which is a, like a seven day long adventure race. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. That looks like fun. Um, you know, and adventure racing, for those who don't know what it is, because a lot of people, it's kind of a niche sport still. It's been around for a long time. But it's a team sport, uh, and the object is is you want to get different control points, like different checkpoints throughout the course, and each leg is a different discipline. So it's mountain biking, you're on foot, like trekking, not really trail running. There's a lot more bushwhacking involved. Um, paddling, some races have ropes courses. But like these races, they just go on and on and on until you finish. So it's up to your team to decide like when you're going to rest, you know, how you're going to like tackle a certain section. You're going to get lost a lot. Um, to me, I was like, that looks so exciting. Like I want to go run off into the woods or wherever it is and just like, you know, go like find my way around. So I got into triathlon with that always in the back of my head. I was good at triathlon, but I wasn't great at triathlon because I'm a wretched swimmer. Like I would always come out of the, the swim like dead last, but I would catch up to everybody on the bike and the run. But unfortunately that doesn't fly if you want to like exceed at a high level. So, uh, 2010, that was 20, 2005, I did my first triathlon. In 2010, I did my first death race. And this was like, this was like the gates just opened up to a whole different world. None of these things sound fun to me. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> well, like I guess, uh, you know, actually recently, who is it? Leslie Jones did some amazing commentary on triathlon in the Olympics. And it's just, it, I, I'm crying because she's like, every, you should just get a medal participation medal because not only are they excelling at one sport, but they're excelling at three sports. So uh, not to cut you off, but are these yeah. Ironman distance tries or did you start small or did you just like jump head first? I started in Olympic, um, okay. and then like I got really into the half Ironman distance. I only did one full Ironman, which I totally winged with no training. Um, and I like was like, oh, I had a pretty good time. Like I did like twelve hours, which isn't like which is great that's, for most people, but for me, like, I'm like people work their whole <laughs> life to get twelve hours and at a full distance Ironman. No, I weighed like 15 pounds heavier. I was working on Wall Street, like wasn't training at all. And I winged it. I did it for charity. So I raised a lot of money for charity. So it was a good thing. But again, like it's the swim thing. Like I was like, this is not my sport. Like, and I wanted to be off road. I didn't want to be on road. I wanted to be in the woods or on a mountain or in the desert. I didn't want to be in a place that was easily accessible. Yeah. Iron Man isn't. I don't want to take away from anyone who does Ironman because it's insane. I actually worked for it, Ironman for like 10 years. Um, it's, it blows my mind like that not, people drop those sub three marathon times after doing all of that beforehand. But it's not like the I, I just like that you said it's not like the, it's not the sense of adventure. Like it's it's very hard and it's I'm not taking it away from anybody, but it's a marked course and a closed course, hopefully most of the time, sometimes live road with the bikes. But like. It's. As long it's as you different. train really hard, you're just exercising. And I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. <laughs> you sound like Kenny Powers. What is that? He said like, but it's, tr no, it's true. And I'm jaded. Like I said, I worked for Iron Man for a long time. I actually worked in Iron Man. Uh, I was at, it was in Portland on Sunday working in Iron Man. Um, so I still do that a little bit. But like, Again, I'm not taking away from anybody, but there's not a ton of adventure in Ironman. Yeah. Like it's a, I, yeah. For, I think it's a it's a mindset. Like for me, I thrive more on the unknown versus the known. So like, if the course is already out there, I know what it's like. You know, I know all the controlling factors. I have aid stations, this and that. Like for me, like that gets me more stressed out and anxious than to be like, well, I have no idea what's going to happen. Let's just go for it, and we'll figure it out as it comes along. Like I think like it's just like more suited towards my personality, my spontaneous personality versus to be like super organized and, you know, like this is my game plan. Like I'm not that type of person. Which is the complete opposite of typical Ironman athletes who are exactly. like, at what distance is aid station three? And I'm like, I don't know, mile 37. I'm like, well, it says 37.2. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, then you are, you're probably correct more than yeah. I. <laughs> like I'm intense. But that's like a completely different level of intensity that I'm like, uh, not for me. <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's quite the finish line of when they hit the 17 hours. So the 17 hours is the official cutoff. Like I went back after I finished because I'm like, I'm going for the final hour. I want to see the real people come in. Like I want to see the people that are, you know, like maybe cramping up, they can hardly move and they are going to do anything. If it's crawl across that finish line, whatever it is to get there. Those people to me are the most inspiring people out there. I have to agree. Cause I'm again, like a jaded, we call ourselves race carnies, but I'm like jaded. I don't care about anybody. I just want the thing done. And then you go there for like the last hour, last half hour and you like start to have a heart. 
And you're like, yeah. oh my God, these people have so much more mental toughness than I will ever have. Like, like screaming my head off, like, go, God, yeah, like, they're a mile 25 <laughs> drinking chicken broth, like yeah. at 1130 at night, the race started at 7am and they're still, it, that's awesome. Like, I, I, like, I think it's, it's unbelievable. Like I, I love that. It's like my favorite part about Ironman right there. It's wild. The community it's created is just the brand it's created. I could go for hours on that. Um, the fact that people want that logo tattooed on them and they have to earn it in order to get it. Like it's, that's a whole nother podcast on how Iron Man yeah. became a brand. <laughs> just be a college course in branding. It's, it's insane. The fact <laughs> that that race even, even exists, but again, so back- I did to this death race. So here I am, like I was doing a Ragnar relay and somebody is like, I was I do in the middle of the night, I think it was. And I'm like super hyped up because it's the middle of the night and I love traveling at night. And so I was like, you should do this race called the death race. And I looked it up online. There wasn't that much information about it on like online at the time. I found a New York Times article about it. And it said something about like memorizing president's names, like doing some kind of Lego block puzzle and all this like barbed wire and chopping wood and just like, just like mayhem in a way. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I should definitely like give this a go. And I signed up for a summer death race in 2010. And I said, well, let me get some like intel on the location and this farm up in Vermont, they have a snowshoe festival in March. So I'm like, I'll do that beforehand. And a week before I went up to Vermont, uh, mind you, I'm actually back in school again for a second degree. I'm and, uh, like getting a degree in New York City in interior design. I am working, getting a degree, not sleeping, pulling one or two all-nighters a week minimum. And I'm like, and I get this email and they say, we're looking for 10 volunteers to test out of the death division. So here they are. They're actually testing out the winter death race before they launch it. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. And I emailed the race directors back and they're like, come on, do it. And lo and behold, a week later, here I am like speeding up the highway to Vermont straight from class to get to the start time of what will be my first like death race even though it's the snowshoe death division it was like winter death race beta version like i had no idea what was gonna happen out there but they don't tell you much about the death race anyway they don't but like nowadays like you can kind of you can't you know you know like it's gonna be long nowadays especially it's like you're looking at like three days you're looking at like just grueling physical tasks you have to be like on point to be able to memorize things solve puzzles um and you also have to like know like they're always going to want to make you quit and that's it. You just have to keep on pushing forward and forward and forward. Um, is this and, the one? Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, is this the one where like, I think I I think this is the one where you like show up to like the athlete meeting and they're like, okay, it started. Is that yeah, like this yeah, same? one of those. But sometimes it's not like that. Right, but sometimes this is the race that we're talking yeah, about, right? Sometimes your athlete meeting lasts twelve hours and you're lugging five hundred pound wooden bridges through the mountains all night long. Um, you know, like it's always, you never know when it's going to start. You never know when it's going to end and you never know what you're going to do. You have like an idea, but that's about it. Sometimes there's a requirement for gear. Sometimes there's no requirement, but whatever you bring, you're carrying for the rest of that race. So you really have to like, people get like all like strung out because like, Oh no, do I need this? Do I need that? Like I, I went bare minimum all of my death races. If they don't, if something's not on the gear list. I know that I can find my way around a task without 
you know, without, with whatever I have. Because if it's on the gear list, then you need it. If it's not, well, sometimes if it's on the gear list, you don't need it. They just make you carry it. They just make you carry but, it. <laughs> but, you know, but you have to just, it's, it like gets your mind. It's so much, it's physical, but it's so much more a mental race. Um, and that first one in that winter, uh, it was only 18 hours long, but I was like top dog at the end of it. Um, you, you know, yeah. So I mean, it was a small group. It was only 10 of us, but three of us made it through. Um, but I mean, I got hypothermia during it. I was trying to like throw up, Like I mean, it, in front of a group of people, it, I got sick, but, um, I loved it. I thought this was the best thing ever. I was like, this is, this is what I like to do. Um, it sounds horrible. that was the beginning of it. Everything <laughs> you've explained sounds awful so far. It was. It was That's so amazing. bad. You know, but out there, I was like finding all, like, like, why is this fun? I was trying to turn everything into something being fun. I'm on a really beautiful, I mean, a beautiful mountain in Vermont. Like, I'm doing something absolutely absurd. And you have to laugh at it. Like, that's, I think, by I'm always so, like, chipper and happy for the most part. And that's why people count me out. Like, that first race, nobody thought I was going to last more than an hour out there, which is the biggest joke. Because I, here I am, like, bubbly self. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Stephanie. And um, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, oh, she's done. Like Not a chance. Yes, yeah, forget about her. She's not serious enough. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like I was just like, let's just take it one task at a time. Just is there a finish line for these death races or they're just like, Oh, you're done. Some, yeah. Usually it's like you're done type of thing. Um, sometimes it's like a final challenge, but you never really know until, um, like they hand you your skull. Like that's it. You get like a cheap plastic skull you can buy in like a Halloween store. So you just do this purely for straight cred. Yeah, well, for me, it's just like, how far can I push myself this time? What are they going to make me do? Like, do you, you know, still do they still exist? And do you still do that? They, they still exist. I don't do them anymore. They just had one. It just finished uh, last week. Actually, when I was out doing my, my New Hampshire, my 48 in New Hampshire, uh, I've done four of them. I'm four for four. Um, I have three of them were in Vermont. And I did one, uh, one in Mexico. Uh, so Longest one was about 65 hours with no, you're like, you're not taking naps. They let us, that's the, they let us take a nap. It was like, and you have eight minutes racers to, to lie down and rest. If we, if you move, you're DQ'd. So you're, you can't move. You can't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. When you're so tired, my whole body will twitch. I'm like, don't fall asleep. Just and at that point, rest isn't even helping you. Like an eight minute rest could be more damage than actually just continuing. I, to go. You know what? I know. I think an eight minute rest is the best thing in the world. It's more that hour and a half rest. That's when your body starts to swell up and like your body starts to go into recovery mode and you're just like, Oh my gosh, everything's stiff. My feet are starting to swell. That's when it gets bad, at least like for me. And I know that from adventure racing, I don't want to sleep more than like 30 minutes at a time. Yeah. It's too much. You trick your Way body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that was my foray into ultra, like ultra stuff. And it's like an odd thing. It's like, I, you know, I don't consider myself an ultra runner by any means. And just like, I like to do a variety of sports um, and just, you know, dive into the unknown, which just is push exactly them as far away <laughs> as you can. Yeah. Like, oh, we yeah. can do this for 62 hours. Yeah. Like, yeah. Try me. Let's go. <laughs> I don't have any of that in my <sighs> I just, I don't understand. Like, it, 
you said you just try to make it fun, but I would I would be the opposite. I'd be like, I'm on the stupid mountain in Vermont. I'm walking up this like I would. There you go. I would go the and opposite. They would feed off of that, and they would feed <laughs> off of that, and those race directors would just like make you quit, and make you cry, and just like you know, like I'm doing like the, the suckiest thing in the world, like scooping sheep poop in hay with my arms because it's faster than using the pitchfork. And I'm just like, whatever. Like, you know what? I chose to show up here. Life could be so much worse right now. Like, I think that's like the more like, it's my decision to be here. Like, let's see what I can do. And, you know, like I find random things. It's not even during, in the middle of the race, I like see like a squirrel and I'm like, oh, that's such a cute little squirrel over there. Hello, little squirrel. And I'll be like, I just like, my brain is always like fixated on as many good things as possible. You are tougher than I. That is for sure. <laughs> mental, like, how do you, how do you prepare for mental toughness? Like, do you think you were just born with it, or like, was it instilled in you as a child just to like always look at the bright side? Uh, I've always been like, I've always been hyped, like super competitive. I'm a middle child, and I'm an older brother, younger sister. I'm definitely the most athletic out of all of us, uh, but. I would flip out like I was the biggest sore loser as a kid, huge sore losers, <laughs> crying during things. But um, I remember even in my like elementary school, like track and field track day or whatever, we didn't have a track, but whatever it was. And I still won the two mile run, but I went off and into a corner and cried for like 10 minutes because I didn't set the school record and I was gung ho on setting the school record. So I think I've always just been tough on myself, like a little hard, but like, Cause I know I like deep down, I know what I'm capable of. So it's always been like that, like, you know, that push and pull, like how far can I push myself? But then as I've grown older, I've realized that pushing yourself and also finding a reason to enjoy it is almost like, that's like the bigger part of it. You're going to succeed in a lot more things. If you can find some kind of way to enjoy what you're doing. Um, I learned that actually during triathlon because it got super competitive and I started just like, like, just like going into like my own little world and like, you know, stop talking to friends. It's like, I just have to train and this train work, eat, sleep, like, and then all of a sudden three weeks after nationals, I got hit by a New York city taxi in central park on my bike. Oh my God. And I like, well, it stopped in front of me and like and it stops to let out a passenger where it wasn't supposed to let out a passenger and I went wham right into it. Um, so I like broke a bunch of teeth, didn't break my jaw miraculously. And I'm like, well, I'm still going to go to nationals. And I went to nationals knowing like, well, like my face is all like wired up, like my teeth are all wired together and I'm just like not feeling it. I'm looking pretty rough. And I just went to that starting line and I'm just like smiling with my broken busted up and smile. And I'm just like, I'm just happy and appreciative that I'm here today. Like, and all of a sudden, like I, I didn't make the national team that year, but I didn't race far off from my PR and that, and I still had a bike mechanical. Like I had two bike mechanicals. Like, I mean, things were not going well with for me during that race, but time-wise I wasn't far off. So there was something in that, like that showed me, like, if you have fun, you reduce your stress. When you do reduce your stress, you have more energy to put into what you're doing. So, so basically we have to thank this taxi driver for driving like a New York city taxi driver. Yeah. We owe it all to him to make you realize I, that life is fun. And if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. I guess so. Well, you're not doing it wrong, but you could do it better. 
You can do it. I like that. You could do it better. (laughs) That's amazing. It's amazing that something, I don't want to say so simple, but like so horrible, like getting hit by a taxi can like flip a switch in our brains and our minds to be like, oh, this, not everything matters. One life is short. Maybe you didn't realize that at the exact moment, but like, yep. I can approach this two different ways. Yeah. And it was just so much, all of a sudden, like I, I gained so much more life back in a way because I wasn't so like, you know, like stuck in that little world where, you know, like I had more balance in my life because it's like, yes, like I can train, but yes, I can enjoy life too. Um, and when I have that balance, I just perform better. I mean, don't get me wrong. I totally go into training vortexes here and there, especially when I have to. But it's not like it's not 365 days out of the year I'm in anything like that. Yeah, but it just sounds like you don't have to like punish yourself while you're training. Like obviously there's yeah. time to train and focus, but like you can still maybe meet your friends at a bar and maybe you're not having a beer, but you can like have a glass of water, say hello and then leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know? And like those are your biggest supporters too. It's like friends and family. Like I'm nothing without them. So obviously I want to spend time with them. And just the mental state that our friends put us in or should put us in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If they're not now, you know, I'm old enough now where if they're not, you know, we're not adding value into each other's lives. Like we should not be in each other's lives anymore. That's That's like the best part of life to find when like I'm old enough now as well that I realize that. But like it takes a little bit to learn that and you like keep all these shitty friends for lack of a better term. And now yeah. I'm like, I'm always like, I don't need new friends. I will accept new friends if they add value into my life and hopefully I add value to theirs. But like, I'm good. I'm good yeah. with my set. My crew is great. And it's that's like, it. And I think like we learn to, re- we respect ourselves more. So we respect, we respect our own boundaries and they respect, we respect their boundaries and they respect ours in return. You know, that's the biggest thing is like when, you know, like leading up to big things when friends know like, oh, like she actually really needs to focus right now. Like, it's cool. Like, we'll just pick off like we just left off in a few weeks. Yeah, they don't make you feel bad for being busy. Yeah, that's not cool. No. Not down with that. Listen, people, (laughs) don't shame or guilt your friends for being busy. (laughs) We didn't know we were teaching life lessons here. Okay, but then from death race, you decided that was in some wild way what you love to do. What did you start doing next? What did that lead Uh, you to? What's the next step from Death Race? So actually, after I first started Death Race, I worked on Wall Street for a few years. I got a job on Wall Street after winning the first Death Race. Like, long story short. Congratulations, I guess. I know. (laughs) Saw some, like, qualities in me, I guess, like, you know, trying to make myself throw up on the side of the trail that would correspond to being an equity derivatives broker on Wall Street. But uh, when I was working on Wall Street, I really didn't race. Um, I got like really sucked into the culture. Um, I had to go out and entertain clients all the time. And my life was like just social life in New York City. So uh, I didn't really have balance there. So that's when I winged the Ironman was during those during those years. Um, and, I, and I was frustrated. And that's kind of when I knew deep down at that point, that's 2012, that I was like, you know what, like, I'm not happy here and I'm happier over there. Like I'm happier, like being active. Um, and like this wall street thing isn't really cut out for me. Um, but eventually actually I got a really good gig on wall street where my boss was like, 
don't come back unless you win. Like he was like, he said it in a nice way. He was like very encouraging. He was like my number one supporter. He's like, go kick everybody's ass, Stephanie. Come on now, let's crush it. And I loved it. And he's, he's such a great person. So he was very supportive of me. So it worked out really well. Fortunately, that business, they dissolved that business. So I lost that gig, but that was probably the best job I ever had because I like, had this balance where if I had to leave for two weeks, I'd go work remote for two or three weeks, go do my thing, come back you know, work. And we like had the perfect work-life balance. Too bad. It's life. Yeah. That's but uh, <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate, but I started. So after that, um, I started, I finally got into adventure racing. That took almost 16 years from when I first saw adventure racing on TV to finally getting into it. So people keep your dreams alive. They will happen one day. You just have to like keep on inching towards them. Adventure racing is an expensive sport. So that was my barrier to entry was like finding a team and like, you know, mountain bike and like race entry is all that stuff. It adds up. Um, but eventually I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. And I like joined like a team, like middle of the pack team. I was like, well, at least I'm, I'm getting experience because in order for any like good team to recognize me as an athlete, like I, I feel like I needed to build my own resume as an adventure racer. Did you have to try out for this team or do you apply for the team? For these guys? No. Cause they were like middle of the pack. Just want to go out, do their best, have fun. It wasn't like entry fee. Yeah. It wasn't like Stephanie's going crazy. We're in it to win it. Like we better not come in second, but let's just go, you know, like very different energies going on. And it was fine. It was fun because I learned a lot. And when you're middle of the pack, you also learn a lot because you're out there longer. It's like the Ironman thing. When you're out, like it's, it is hard to win an Ironman. It's hard to win any race. I think it's even harder for those, those last finishers to be out there than it is for the professional to be winning the, winning the event. Yeah. The better you are at it, the easier it is. And that seems to make sense. But like, what's a, I mean, a fast Ironman's eight and a half, nine hours. Oh, faster now. They've broken eight. Oh God. Well, okay. So yeah. But like a bad one is 17 yeah. hours. Like you're doubling the yeah. time. Yeah. So like I learned a lot in adventure racing because I learned a lot about being out there for a very long periods of time when I'm like, you should be done by now. But uh, I loved it. I mean, we got lost so many times in the wilderness. I mean, just we, like some, there was this one race. I started jumping in with 72 hour races. So when an adventure race says it's a 24 hour race, a 72 hour race, whatever it is, that's the max time out there for the team. That's the cutoff. Cutoff. So usually like a 24 hour race, winning teams will finish in depending on the course, maybe half that time, you know, it's like, or it's somewhere in that range. Uh, it depends on the course, obviously, but like the 72 hour races, my team was out there. Oh, in the high sixties, we were out there for almost 72 hours. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's different. It's different because it's a team sport. So, you know, you have to learn how to play with people, like, you know, work with people's personalities out there, um, which is different than individual racing and managing your competition. You're managing like each other. Uh, cause that can get interesting after a while. How well did you know these people? First race, first time I ever met them in person. We, we linked up on Instagram. That had to be, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I just, I struggle going on trips with my friends, like ski trips, like when we're like doing n- zero vertical, but like going to like Tuckerman's yeah. and yeah. you know, you have six people and it's like, you know, it's a day, like for most people, that's a big push, maybe yeah. not for you, but like, 
that's a big push. And like I struggle going with four of my friends that I know well and I know their yeah. antics and they know mine. So how do you how did you manage that group dynamic? Like is there a captain? Is there a we, So we have uh there's always like a head navigator. Like they're kind of like kind of the captain, but everybody always has a say in stuff. Like, but when it comes to navigation, generally like you have the head navigator and then you have like a like a you know, an assistant navigator, so to speak, somebody who's always like checking in on stuff. Um, you know, and then the other two teammates are managing other things throughout the race, like, you know, food, nutrition, other things, just thinking of other things. Um, but before we even raced, everybody on the team had to fill out a massive questionnaire and we just, everybody read everybody's questionnaire. It was, you know, what, what crawls, what makes you, your skin crawl, you know, if I, if you're quiet, like, should people try to talk to you? Like we got to try to get to know everybody's personality to the best of our abilities, um, before we were out there. And the thing is, it's like, you can write everything down, but when you're sleep deprived and you are lost in the middle of the woods, a lot of that goes out the window. Do you think <laughs> so, it worked? At all? I think like- it worked. I raced with these guys quite a few times. Like they're good. They're a great group of guys. Um, you know, we had our ups and downs. I think like any team, um, uh, but, you know, it was fine and it was fun and I learned a lot with them. Like, I, I don't by any means regret racing with them. Like, we had a lot of laughs out there, definitely. More so than, like, getting frustrated and pissed at each other. We do a system with my group of friends. It's just uh, red, yellow, green. And, Ooh, like, it's okay. so simple. But, like, if one of my friends, if we're, like, adventuring or whatever, if one of my friends says he's red, like, all of us respect it. And, like, it just means, like, he's hot. Don't poke the because you know it's we're all buddies. We're not in survival situations usually, so it's just like don't poke the bear. Let him relax. And like yellow is like all right, stop throwing jabs. But like, it works for us. It's so simple. Like we don't say green, you know. But like, if everyone's like giving me shit and I'm navigating and I'm trying to like get us to wherever we're going and they're just like poking the bear and I'm like guys, I'm yellow. Like I'm good, but I'm like I'm trying. The thing is, though, sometimes then you get into these like bits like with the team I've recently been racing with. It's it's not like this, but like, you know, like you have somebody and they're like constantly making the wrong navigational call and you and somebody else on the team keep on making the right one. But then nobody ever listens to you because you're not the efficient navigator. Like after a while you have like like I think we're, my friend and I were just like, forget it. Like we just looked at each other. We're like, let's just get lost in the woods. Who cares at this point? Like that's literally what happened. We're just like, nobody's going to listen to us. So we're just going to sit here. I think I laid down. I said, I'm just going to take a nap right here. Wake me up when we're ready to go. Like, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, like it, it happened. How well marked are the courses or do you, are not are you marked. Like, you're just like, no, you have a you're compass given, you're like, given maps, stacks of maps. Sometimes, sometimes they're pre-plotted with like the checkpoints on them. Sometimes you're just given the coordinates and you have to plot them. And these maps don't always have everything on them. So like a lot of the times, like you'll, you'll see trails on them, but sometimes you'll be like, okay, from this point, we're going to have to shoot a bearing to this, you know, to this place. And we're just going to have to hold this bearing until we get there. So you're just going through the woods. Um, You know, and sometimes there are choices to make, like you'll see two potential routes you don't know what they look like other than the topography on the map, but like the one that looks more gentle and more direct might be knee deep mud and you're on your bike. And the other one that's like 10 miles around is going to be beautiful road that you can ride on. But you don't so, know, you have no idea. You have no idea until you're actually in it. 
And that's the beauty of it. So, you know, how big are the teams? Four people generally. Um, and to be competitive, uh, they need at least one woman on the team. Women are a commodity in the sport. Uh, it's mostly like they're scrounging around to find like a woman to fulfill like a team requirement. This might be an odd question, but is there any money in it or is it all pride based? Um, in like the, in the AR world series, I'm pretty sure there's some, but like, it's, it's not a lot. Let's be real. Yeah, you're not making money, but there's like, you, yeah, you get no. like a prize. Like there is some money, you know, but I think, you know, I have yet to really race on the AR, the world series circuit. I'd love to, any teams listening out there that's highly competitive and would like a, an additional member on their team, please female, 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 member. commodity member. Um, but I mean, I'd love to race the AR, the, the world series circuit. I think it would be a blast. Uh, it's, it's rough and you're doing, I don't know how many races are in it now in a year, but you know, you're constantly racing three to four days, like every few weeks. It's a lot. And how do you prepare for that? Uh, well, you know, like anything else, uh, time on feet, like you have to get your trail running in, you're got to get your, use your rock, you know, getting stuff with a pack on mountain biking, uh, back out on the boat, you know, I have a, I have a folding kayak. I take that out in the bay by me. Um, so I'll get in my paddling practice. And then every once in a while you just do these long days, you know, you do multi-sport days, uh, whether it's like, you know, bike run or bike paddle or whatever paddle run. It's just a lot of, you're just building up your body to be able to handle it. And then rest. There's a lot of rest. There's a lot of rest involved and a lot of eating, a lot of eating. (laughs) Yeah. Are you, are you vegan? Are you plant-based veggie? Yeah, I've, I've been for oh, just over three and a half years now. Full on vegan diet. Full on vegan diet. Yeah. Why? Uh, <laughs> no, I, me, I genuinely mean yeah, that. No. Like, no, for me, um, it was just a purely a something. It was for the animals for me, you know, to each their own. Um, like I, I have like, I've like always grown up around a lot of animals and like they've always held a place in my heart and don't get me wrong. Like a few years before I went vegan, I actually went out duck hunting. We didn't kill it. We didn't get anything, but I was a completely different person. And for like, it just like one day I was like, you know, like I, I saw a documentary, not like a vegan documentary, just a documentary about species and how species are quickly being become extinct from the planet. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, look at all of these beautiful animals and they're going away. Like how could I hurt any of these animals personally? Like I physically can't do it. So if I can't do it, I'm like, I'm not paying anybody else to do it. So like, that's what, that's what it came down to. And I did a 30 day challenge. I wasn't like a hundred percent. I did a 30 day. It's called veganuary, vegan January, 31 days. And with my sister and we just never turned back her and I, that was it. I was like, there's so many good options for the, for like this. I was eating mainly vegetarian anyway, before then, like vegetarian, I did have like eggs and I had ice cream and every once in a while I'd have fish, but like, I was already like transition transitioning without even knowing it. Do you think it hurts you or helps you as an athlete to be, to have a vegan diet? Uh, for me personally, um, like knock on wood, I haven't had any bad like GI issues since I've gone vegan. Not one, not one time. Like, like the last race I did before I went vegan, uh, well, I broke my hip at that one, but so that doesn't really <laughs> count. But, uh, the whole like, but ones like before that, like I would have stomach issues. So you have stomach issues in the heat and like whenever my body was under a lot of stress, like 
now it's like my stomach is great. Like I can constantly put down food and put in nutrition. Even if I'm feeling a little off due to like heat, high heat, like I could still eat. Like, I don't know. My body just likes it. You know, I feel like my body, I feel right now in better shape than in my prime triathlon years. Do you find it not to just keep chatting about this, but I just, I, I am not vegan, but I love, I'm just lazy. If I, if I had a chef every day, I would be vegan. I'm lazy. <laughs> cheese is really easy. <laughs> I can make a mm-hmm. cheese sandwich and I'm trash and I love that. But is it hard when you're on these adventure races to, to fit that diet in? Or is it once now you know it, so it's easy? It never, nothing really changed much, honestly, because a lot of the food, it depends. Like in adventure racing, we'll put like hot, like dehydrated meals in our transition bins. So when you change sport, you have a transition bin. Um, so like there's plenty of options there. Um, you know, there are like lots of vegan snacks. A lot of stuff is actually vegan. Just people don't realize it. I think obviously beef jerky is not vegan, but they have like vegan versions of that made from other things. Um, but like generally, when I race anyway, I have to cover like food flavor profiles. It's not like food groups. It's more like I need sweet, I need savory, I need like a tangy, soury something. And I usually like something that's a little more like spicy, not too spicy, but I need some spice. So as long as I have different flavor profiles and like some different textures, I'm good to go. Um, but it never like, never really changed. The only hard stuff is if we're in the middle of like nowhere and you like pass like convenience store Maybe then they won't have exactly what I want. Like if I want like a pint of ice cream, but like I can eat sorbet, that's vegan, you know? So like there's always a way around it. It's a learning curve, you know? Like when I first started, I think it was more difficult for me to come up making food and like getting snacks. Now it's just like, I don't even think about it. It's just it's second nature. Well, you also know, you don't have to look as much up. Like when you, that's when it. you start yeah. and you're grocery shopping, my good friend is vegan. So like if we go camping, I just buy vegan. So it's easier, but like it takes me hours cause I'm reading every label. <laughs> no, like just text. go straight to the, the trick is go to the allergen for the most part, unless there's gelatin in something. If you go to the allergen part, it'll say contains milk. Right. But still, I still have to do that for everything yeah. or like send it to my buddy and be like, Hey, is this, you, eat this? you know, and then I'll have like a surprise and I'm all excited about it. And he's like, it has gelatin in it. I'm like, dang it. Like, okay. My friend, a friend of a friend, Ben, he's uh, from Romania. He's from Transylvania actually. And he thought he like gave me some cheese. He's like, I got it. It's vegan. I'm so proud. And I took a bite of it and I'm like, this is not vegan. I, not like, I know vegan. this, I could taste it. And he goes, it is. And he brings it in and it says, lactose free and i'm like oh <laughs> but you know i'm not like i'm not gonna die it's okay it's a it's a slip up like it's not the end of the world i yeah, thought it was actually yeah it's a <laughs> i mean it's a choice it's not a yeah you're not gonna die from it it's exactly. just something you choose to i'm do. not allergic so it's okay there's a vegan documentary on athletes i have to look up well, there's what it's two called. there's two but we don't have to talk about that there's actually another one that came out before that other one called well from the i was like sold when i saw it though i was like this is the fuel my body needs this is and then i lasted like half a day and was yeah. like, all right i'm out to each their own like you know if you are like i think it's great when people tell me they're changing their diet for me like uh, for me because it's about the animals but like you know everybody's on their own journey i'm not here to to breathe down you know, no, and I don't think it. you gave that vibe. I just think yeah. it's important 
to chat about it a little bit because you are yeah. like this elite athlete who does these major ultra endurance 40 you know five day events not 45 <laughs> four or five day events and like you're fueling it off a plant-based diet which is yeah. amazing and it just I think it's good for people to hear because I think people yeah. think you need meat to like do that and it's like no you just oh, have to like take care of yourself me. that destroyed me I, I was in the bushes whenever I would eat meat like during events so it's adventure I mean it makes sense <laughs> not to get into it but like the meat we get now is not the meat we were eating 100 years ago but it's true <laughs> we'll swerve back we'll swerve back all right um let's talk world's toughest mutter yeah and where does that fall in your timeline and we're building up to your latest so, yeah well, so. um so i did i did my actually I did the first ever tough mutter in 2010 which is like in pennsylvania and i was supposed to do world's toughest mutter for a few years when they first introduced it but i was in design school and i was like there's no way i can train for this right now like i have no life um so in 2015 i was supposed to do world's toughest and I sprained my ankle like three times in a row because I was stubborn and I kept on racing on it and re-spraining it. My PT looked at me and he's like, you have two options right now. You can go race this year at World's Toughest Mudder and continue racing and be like at 75% for the rest of your racing career. Or you could stop running right now for however many months I tell you. I'm not going to tell you how long. And we're going to work on all this and you can come back and you can start to race again. So I took option two. Uh, I didn't want to take option two, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take option two. Give myself a chance. Um, and in 2016, yeah, I towed the line and finally my first world's toughest mutter and uh, like did really well. Actually, I wasn't vegan then. I got really sick in the middle of the night. I ended up, I almost had a 10 mile lead like halfway through it. And I got so sick and dehydrated. Um, I had to walk like over 10 miles in the race. Um, but thankfully I built up a big enough lead to, to hold on to it. And yeah, I finished that. I did 85 official miles, probably well over 90 with all those penalties at the time, <laughs> but, uh, it was fun. Like it was the first time I was like, really loved it. And it was so much, the community doing something like that is just, it's fun. Cause you're on the same five mile loop and you see the same people over and over. And it's, it's fun. You go into like your NASCAR pit and everybody's like, get her the wetsuit and you're like people are like pulling things off you and throwing things on you and shoving food in your mouth and you're like get her out <laughs> it's like all right so the concept of that uh it's for everyone mutter. listening and myself it's a it's lapped right so it's a five mile loop which you said but it's just like a 24 hour tough so it's a five mile tough mutter but they have about 20 obstacles on it so it's like a dense tough mutter and you want to do as many loops as you can over a 24 hour period no, thank so, you. So you don't look happy right now. <laughs> I was just thinking no. about doing one five mile lap and thinking. So, you know, what's cool though, is like, because it's a course like that, you get some people out there and their goals to be like, I'm going to run all day long. I'm going to do one loop at night. And then I'm going to do another loop when the sun comes up in the morning. So like everybody's all, all everybody has different goals out there. But what I love about it, unlike a tradi any traditional race course is that it is a loop. So you, you're always seeing people. And everybody's always cheering each other on, no matter where they're at. Yeah, that has to help versus just being lost in the woods with three of your friends mad yeah. at each other. Yeah, very different. Very different energies going on between those two. <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, it's a hoot. Like that, that was, uh, 
like I was pretty beat up after that. I was like, whoa, this is intense. Like 24 hours of racing is really intense because you can push your body really hard for about up to 36 hours. It's after you pass the 36 hour mark that your body takes like significant like decline and you like kind of need to take in naps and things like that. Like it's very different. 24 hours is like everything you have. It doesn't sound enjoyable at all. Not one thing you've said this whole time has sounded enjoyable other than just well, eating plants. Well, okay. So <laughs> I did it in 2017 and that's where I fractured my hip. At like, I don't even, I probably went into it with maybe a bone edema and I told my hip, like we have a hundred miles to do. Just give me a hundred miles. We're going to Hawaii after this and mile 25, I couldn't even walk. But um, I ended up going back out at night with a group of people and an adaptive athlete, um, a guy in a, in a wheelchair and a group of us all went through the course. So I got to experience this whole other side of Tough Mudder and World's Toughest Mudder that when you're racing, you don't, you kind of experience, but you're not really in it. Um, and then during, in the morning, a huge group of us all went out for a final lap. That was, that was more special than actually racing it because that's like, that's real community right there. You know, and that's fun and everybody's laughing and like, you know, everybody's like hobbling around um, and there's like, you know, true tough mother spirit, all this like teamwork going on, um, goofing off like that's like that's me actually really like in a nutshell and just happened to be very competitive, too. But like, I love that. Like, I thought that was awesome. And I have a feeling that's the type of tough mother you would really enjoy. I don't know. I don't know if you get me to do one. I don't think you get me. to. I have no competitive left. Can, you don't can, have to be competitive. See, that's what's good about Tough Mudder is it's not actually competitive. It's yeah, only would, competitive for a super small group of us. I just don't have it. I don't. I think I could do it, but as far as like, even like, I don't have enough competitiveness in me to like sign up. Like, I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'll just go Maybe have. Maybe we'll have. Right I think we'll have to do one. I'll. I'll. We could do one together. I'll I don't do know. One I don't know. It has to be like a two miler. No, you do the the official. It's like 10, 9 or 10. It's fine. Maybe. You'll make it. If there's a it's lot of fun. slides. There's some the there's a count. lot of fun stuff out there. They're the all about count. like obstacle innovation. So it's like fun crazy. It's like your glorified playground, so to speak. Yeah, it's Do they still do the world's toughest? They do. They still yeah, do. it's it moved back. It was in Atlanta for a few years. I went 2 years ago pre-COVID. Uh, I didn't race. I got to hang out with my buddy coach. who's like, uh, he's like this personality in Tough Mudder. And we had a, he had a, he was a DJing above this obstacle, which was like, I used to work at a nightclub many, many years ago in New York city, like 40,000 square foot mega nightclub. So it kind of brought me back to those days where down below we had like chains and like smoke machines and lights flashing and all the racers had to run through these like storage containers. And he was DJing on top of it. So for 24 hours, we were there. In the middle of the night, I would go in, dressed up, had like a big unicorn head, and, like hide and scare people. Uh, some of my friends like didn't know who I was, and, like punched me, and it was just, it was so much fun. It was just, it was a hoot. So I got to be on the other, really on the other side of that, and that, uh, at that one. But they moved it from Atlanta. It's back in Nevada this year, but it's not in Vegas. It's in like Log Logan or something, Nevada. So back in the desert. Would you do one again? Yeah, I would do one again. I don't know if this is the year for it or not, but <laughs> you know, I think I'll do it again. We'll maybe see. we'll mark that as a maybe. We'll mark it. Yeah, let's put that as in bold in the maybe column. Yeah, in a maybe. Let's talk about what you just did last last week. 
maybe two weeks ago now like about two, almost two weeks i was in the what day is it it's monday yeah i was in it i don't even it's the 27th <laughs> what Today happened the 27th. <laughs> it's tuesday today's tuesday for the record <laughs> it is not monday it is tuesday the 27th uh but you just did the new hampshire 48 for what, yeah. what's like the short term new hampshire 48 yeah, I climbed the official 48 4,000 footers of New Hampshire. Um, I set a record uh, to basically from trailhead to trailhead. So the women's record is different. The women's is trailhead to trailhead. The men's is trailhead to summit. So yeah, shorter. Very, I, it's shorter. And how smart is that? They can actually strategize how they finish because you can strategize finishing somewhere where you have a long haul out. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like very interested. So, but anyway, so yeah, I I thought about that when I was out there. I was like interesting. But um, so I always wanted to do something like big like that, kind of adventure-y and you know, big unknown. Uh, that was big unknown for me, and it only really came about a few months ago, actually, that I was going to do this. Like this wasn't like in the works for years by any means. I was shooting uh. A friend of mine, Brian Nevins, I'm going to plug him because he's an awesome photographer. He's the greatest. Yes, he is. And uh, he, him and I met on a photo shoot up on up in the White Mountains last summer. And him and I up in the up on the Pemi. And I here I am like bubbly me like, oh, my gosh, like the Franconia Ridge is like one of my favorite places in the world. I traveled to some really nice places, but that place always does it for me. And I'm so excited, like the whole way up. They're like, oh my gosh, everybody's probably on the shoot. Like I, we have to deal with her for another how many more hours. And uh, we get up there and then I think everybody was like, had a like, oh my gosh moment. Like this is unreal. Um, and then Brian and I decided like, why don't we make a film about the whole Pemi loop? Like, you know, like a passion project for just for like for us and just to share it with people. Like, you know, why this place is so special. So over the course of the next few months, we would go out there with another of his friends, another Brian, and we'd go on, we'd like shoot bits, bits and pieces here and there in the different seasons. I dragged him up to Lafayette in the middle of winter. The, <laughs> like, we're not done with the film until we go to Lafayette. Summit. In the winter. I know it's, fe- I know it's February, but we got to do it. So, so <laughs> sorry about that, Brian. But, um, but it was just, it was so much fun to, to be out there and to slow things down, you know, not to always be like running and trying to set a time or this and that. And, you know, I think like, I don't know when it was exactly, but I mentioned to him, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should like go for the full 48. Like I was actually eyeing the Pemi FKT. That is way out of my comfort zone. Like I'll still give that a go, but like 30 miles. Oof. Like that scares me. 48. Oh, that intrigues me way more my speed. But uh, so that's kind of like where it was like sitting in the back of my head. Um, I had a winter expedition planned with with a friend of mine and we had to postpone it. Probably going to go do it this winter. Um, but uh, so I was like, well, I have this like almost like opening in my schedule in a way. And I was like, well, maybe I could start training for the 48 and just do it this summer. And that's kind of how it happened. Um, I set out. So in typical New Hampshire, White Mountain form, you can't set a date. Like you have to wait until the weather's good. And I was like, had like a window when I had to start tapering, when I was like, this is my window. I have to work with this window and whoever's going to come along. I have to also work around their windows too, in a, in a sense, because I was doing this supported. I was not doing a through hike point to point. This was a trailhead, drive to another trailhead, go bang out some mountains style. 
I set my date two days before I set off. And I was like, well, it says some scattered showers over the weekend. I think I'll be able to handle the scattered showers. That's like typical in the summer. That's no big deal. It's fine. Um, and my whole plan, well, I had to change a lot of my route because when you get good weather, you have to do a presidential range traverse. Like you just have to take advantage of it. So right out of the gate, my, my route completely changed. Um, and it was hot that day. It was hot and humid. And I got really chafed up. I had no skin on my torso after that lovely first leg. Um, and I got really dehydrated. And that night, I did that by myself. Brian Nevins met me actually on top of Mount Washington with his daughter. Did he drive he up? Some, they drove up to the top <laughs> with his daughter. And we spent 20 minutes trying to find each other on the top of this mountain. I'm like, where is he? And he's like, where is she? And we're running around Mount Washington trying to find each other. But, uh, you know, he gave me some snacks and stuff. But I came off that, he's going to laugh if he listens to this, right after I left him, going around Mount Clay, doing the, the around loop because you don't have to get clay, my trekking pole snapped. And I'm going south to north. And the north section is notoriously more technical than the south. And it wouldn't fold up either. So I have like a, a thing I could put it on my pack in, like, in my pack. So I couldn't put it in my pack. So here I had this like broken trekking pole. And the other one's basically useless because you either you I want two or I want zero. I don't want one pole on that on that type of terrain. And I had to do the northern section, like just like extra crap in my hands. And it was I was so pissed off. I was like hot. I was like chafing everywhere. And I was just like, get me off this. Like I need to get out of here. I need to like reset. And that night I went out by myself again to do the Mariah Carter, like the traverse over there with Wildcat, another six mountains. And I realized I didn't pee once. I was like, I am so dehydrated yeah, right now. Tough. I am inhaling fluids, like fluids and food. And like, no matter what, my body's just like sweating. And like, I can't go to the bathroom. And I'm just like, get to the Carter hut. I'm drinking, chugging water, even more water. I get back down and I tell this time, there's only one person crewing me at this, at this moment. It's like, Mike, like, we need to get, I need to get back on track, like immediately, or else like, this is a really slippery slope. Cause I know this in the past, like your gut will just stop working. Like everything goes wrong. We got, we dug out of it. It was great. Like, it was like, we managed to dig out of it really quickly, went on. And then unfortunately got hit with some pretty major rain during this thing. It was not scattered showers. It was like deluge monsoon, three inches of rain. Um, I was just like soaked like the whole time. Like, I don't care if my body soaked. That's fine. Once your feet start to get wet and if your feet don't get relief from being wet, things start to get hairy. So like I, that was my, probably my biggest hurdle right there was like managing my feet, um, managing my feet for like long stretches of time. They start to get really sensitive, like over, not over like the dry stuff I can go for days on when they're like constantly submerged in water. Just like it feels with every step, like your skin is just going to rip in half on the sole of your foot. Yeah, it was like uh, torrential downpours. It was. I have a video and I have to get these videos. I took my GoPro. I have 46 of the 48 peaks and my battery died for the Kinsmans. Um, I don't have. They all took photos of me on Musalak video. But I have a video of me being seeing what peak it is. And I think I'm, I'm on Wombeck and it's just middle of the night. You could hear the downpour. And I'm just like, we're really cold. This sucks so much. Just like miserable, miserable. Yeah. I at that moment I thought like I if I was out here, I was not out there by myself for that peak. I had a choice. I could have done the peak beforehand, Kerrigan by myself, or they're like, well, 
one of us is going to come for one of those two peaks. You choose which one you want to go by yourself. So I'm going to do Carrigan. I still have daylight. So I was like, I'm going to do Carrigan. Somebody can come with me at night. If I was by myself, I don't know if I would have continued on. I really don't know. It, it was, was I was on a bicycle trip, not doing anything like you were doing, but we were like on our bikes and it was just torrential downpours. Like it so wet that I went, I went swimming that day and I just went in my bike shorts, my shoes. Like it didn't make a difference. Like it was, yeah, yeah it was torrential downpours last it, two weeks. So, ago. And, and it was like, not only that, like at night when your headlamp is facing that and you haven't slept in like you slept a few minutes over the course of two and a half days, you know, like if you're tired and you're driving at night, your windshield wipers are going and you're getting like hypnotized to sleep. Yeah. It's that times a hundred. I was falling asleep as I'm like going down this Wombeck in the middle of the night. And I was just, the hallucinations were going strong. I was seeing like skulls everywhere. And I was just like, Oh, here we go. You know, going down that path now. But I remember like getting off that mountain was like the be the best thing in the world. Um, I had a fresh baked uh, tray of cinnamon rolls in front of me to eat in the car. There's a photo on my Instagram. I'm like asleep and the tray's in my lap. Yeah, I just saw I mean, that I just, photo actually. Yeah, that was after Wombeck. So, I mean, I was just <laughs> like that brought me back to life. So like the positive steering back to death race, like it was miserable, that whole thing. But it was like, just get to the car, just get to the car and you can reset at the car. And I, like that was a big reset moment there. What's the longest time you have in between trailheads? Like longest drive. So we had to change up my route. Originally, it would have only been one like one hour drive or one one hour, 15 minute drive. But we had, I think, two hour, two or three one hour drives because we had to swap things around due to weather and like pacing. And when so the weather slowed me down a lot. My legs felt fresh the whole time. I like didn't. I was nervous that my legs were not going to be able to handle the mileage and like the descending. The descending is no big deal. The descending is where you really start to feel it. My feet just like jammed the brakes on all of it. It was just every step was so painful. Um, so I slowed down. So I slowed down. I get more, you get more tired when you slow down because you're taking more time out there. It's just like it's just getting worse and worse. So we changed that around a lot. So. I tried to nap whenever I could in the car for the shorter drives. I couldn't nap. It was like, take care of my body. You know, what do I need? Like, you know, going through like, like, okay, this leg is next, blah, blah, blah. Like thinking in my head, but the longer legs, it was like strip out of wet clothes. I was, I got so used to like just stripping down naked in the middle of wherever I was. I didn't care who was around, like throw on dry sweats. Um, I've thrown some compression on like my lower legs, like knees, knee sleeves and like socks. Um, and then I would eat and then I'd pass out and then I'd wake up, you know, change back and then back out. I go foot care ended up taking a, a huge chunk of time. We eventually, we had to tape my feet, like my feet needed to be taped together or else they were not going to make it. So like, you know, but it is what it is. Like you have to, you know, you, you work with the cards that are dealt to you. I mean, if I had great weather, there's no question in my mind, I would have gone some, some, some four days. And like, I know that sounds ridiculous in a way because I did four days in 15 hours. But I mean, the amount of time that I had that we'd had to take between feet and this and that and just like, like, once you're out there for like I said, a long time, and you get more and more tired, like you move slower and slower. Like if I wasn't dealing with foot stuff, like I move really well at night, like I'm, I'm okay at night. But when you're moving slow at night, it's, it's tough. You move like even slower because you start to fall asleep. But uh, 
So that's a beatable record. Like I will be the first person to say it. Like I a hundred percent, that's a beatable record. Like I feel weird saying I'm not a hundred percent happy with that performance. I know like the outpouring of support blows my mind. I know deep inside of me, I was trained to go four days on that or less hundred percent. Would you ever tackle it again? Probably my, I'm, if my crew's listening, we can find somebody else to crew me than where I'll be easier. We'll choose nicer weather to go in. They had a good time, though. I mean, I had such a good time with them. I didn't complain. I mean, I complained it myself. I told myself when I was really tired, I'm like, you're better than this. Come on, keep moving. I was like, but I th- like beating myself up. <laughs> I think your crew expects that. Like, nothing is personal at that point. It's just you well, versus I, yourself I, and, like... But it's easy to lash out on them, and I did not. I was like, I like, I told, I had a hard talk with myself. I was like, you will not lash out at your crew. They are doing so much for you, and like, I don't think that I ever like whatever they gave me to eat. I ate, you know, would like drink this. I drank it. I was very like, for like, I think I was pretty easygoing in that sense. If anything, it was more like my feet are destroyed. I've never had blisters like this in my life ever. For all the death races, all the adventure racing, my feet have never looked this bad in my life. Yeah, and you shared a lot of those photos, which I I loved because we only see the good, right? Like we only see like, oh, I I competed and got a new fastest known time. Or like yeah. we don't see like this is what it did to my body. These are my yeah. feet. Your body looked like you got in like a UFC fight. You posted like a mirror photo. I think it was a video. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you yeah, were the like, video, yeah. You were like talking. It looked like you got it looked like you fought in the UFC. Like if some if someone took a picture of your body in a bathing suit and was like, This is what an ultra runner's body looks like after a climb, you know, a, an event, whatever you want to call it, like I'd say no way. Like you looked like a UFC fighter. Your ribs were bruised, like your feet were just swollen and bloody and and I'm I'm being graphic to be graphic because it's refreshing that you shared that. Well, I think it's important. Like to me, like it's not like you know, like it's it's never easy for anybody, you know, to take on well anything. Like it's we all have listen, we all have our own like limits, like and our own perceived limits, shall we say, and we push them. But like, yeah, like that was a big part of it. It was like you know, it was, I think it's important to show people like how I was struggling with that and how eventually like with the support of really great people behind me, we were able, we as a team were able to work through it because me as a person might not have been able to work through it, but as a TM, it's a different story. Um, you know, my feet, I, like I said, like I've never seen blisters like that on my feet ever, ever. I was in shock. I mean, one of them t- ripped I could take one step. I was on the sandwich range and I was with my friend Kumi and I took one step up a rock and I could feel a tear. And then I felt the burning and I just knew I was like, Kumi, we have to stop at the top of this. I need to just, I had some mold skin in my, in my pack. I was like, let me put, I have to put on mold skin and I changed one sock. I, Cause I'm like, we should keep the other sock dry in case I need that sock later on. So I literally just like did a quick like patch up. I said, eventually the nerves will desensitize and we'll be on our way. And that's what eventually would happen. You're just banking on your nerves being used to it. Yeah, that's literally what happened. Like (laughs) even now my feet, like my feet are finally, like I've had was having tingly feet up until like a day ago. Like they were like kind of like that nervy tingly feeling my all, both of my feet. And I was like, wow, even through all like the winter stuff that I do. And I don't do well in winter, even though I love it. 
because I like have like a mild brain odds. So like my hands and feet get very cold, but like my feet have never been this tingly for this long ever. I was just going to ask you, what's the recovery for something like this? So my legs and my muscles felt fantastic right afterwards. I was like ready to rock and roll. Um, the swelling during it, apparently my knees and everything started to swell. Like anything down from where my compression tights, I wore like knee length compression tights. Anything down from there started to swell as it, as I like went on. Uh, my feet didn't swell until the next morning after I stopped. Like at lunch, I went sat down at the Woodstock Brewery. My feet looked somewhat okay. I had some blisters. Some guy like as I walked in, he like locked in on my feet, and you could just see his face like tracking with my feet. He was like, "Where where was she?" Yeah, what happened to yeah. you? By the time I left, my feet ballooned up quite a bit. That was like an hour later. Um, and then it was just like feet, like my feet have been like the worst thing. Um, everything on my body feels fine. I would say like I slept two nights ago. I was really tired. Like, so I was in New Hampshire for another two, three days. I got home and then my family decides that everybody's getting together. So like I haven't had time to like chill out and to like sleep and write and sleep some more. So it's just been, I have a niece and nephew and they're seven. So like they're at that age and they're interested and they want to talk and it's not, and I love them to death. I'm just like, Oh, I just want to like just be alone right now. I'll take me back to the woods somewhere. Can you just drop me off back there? So, but then there's, you know, so it's like life has resumed for me. So, um, two nights ago I was like, I went to, I fell asleep at like six fifteen. I was going to nap for 45 minutes and watch the Olympics. Woke up at 9 p.m., stayed up for 45 minutes, went back to sleep, and I slept until 7.45 the next morning. So I slept, like, minus the hours, almost, like, 13 hours, like, 12 and a half hours. Um, and then last night, I also slept late. I slept until, like, 7-something this morning. I'm usually up at, like, 5 or, like, 5-ish. Um, but, you know, I have to respect my body right now. You know, I feel good. Like, I'm on the bike now. I am probably will probably try to run tomorrow. But... I'm like on the bike. I feel strong on the bike. I'm like climbing like an animal all of a sudden. And I'm like, Oh wait, yeah. carried some of the strength carried over there. But I'm like, wow, I'm like, feel really good on the bike. But then I realized like an hour after I get off the bike, I'm tired. My body, my muscles don't hurt, but I'm just like, my brain is like foggy. Yeah. You're not so there like, yet. Okay. I'm not there yet. But I think after this week, like I'm, I'll be there. I mean, I have a race in, in three weeks or so, three and a half, four weeks, I think. If I'm, if Canada like still keeps the borders, uh, if they're going to like change anything or not after August 9th, cause I have an adventure race over there. So I think it's one. open right now. I think you're okay. It is. I think though that it's like August 9th, you only need like your, your COVID vaccine or whatever. And your proof of that, which I'm hoping cause my team, we won it two years ago and, and I'm the first American to have ever won the race on a team. So I really want to go back and defend the title. Yeah, and it didn't happen last year, I assume. Did not no. So so it's happening this year. It could change. Three weeks is a lot of time right now. I know. Ah, fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. Uh, I have a couple questions for you from the internet. All right. Um, let me just look at my phone here. An AMA. Yes, an AMA. <laughs> New England Mountain Gabe asked, aside from rain, what would you say was the crux of your New Eng or New Hampshire forty eight route? Hmm. Oh man. See, the thing is, I hate to say it, like everything went really well, like during it, the rain just, just destroyed me. Um, 
sleep deprivation. I maybe that's like always what gets you. Like after like the second night, I did the first two nights solo. I was out there by myself and I'm just like cruising along. Third night, sleep monsters start to set in and you kind of get like, you're great during the day. You're good after sunset, but like a few hours when it's dark, it's like you can't control it. It's like, you're really fighting your body. You're like, we have to stay awake. Let's keep moving. And your body's like, my brain's like, no, we need to go to sleep. That, that gets tough more. So it's like frustrating because I physically felt fine. I was just like, my brain wanted to just shut off. Um, that was probably the most typical thing. I actually took a head dive down Musalak at the end. I was with everybody was hiking with me and going down the mountain. I had, I thought the adrenaline was going to carry me through that last peak. Oh, apparently not. Like the sleep monsters were so bad. I was watching my friend in front of me walk and I was like, okay, I could see one step. And it was like blackout, one step, blackout, one step, blackout, then blackout. And the next thing I know, I'm like going face first down the trail. And my friend described it as sounding like if you just like threw a piece of like meat on the ground, you just heard like a thud. And then you heard trekking poles like a second after that flying down the trail. Um, And I got pretty actually beat up from that. But sleep monsters, I would say that's probably like the worst part. But everything else went well. Like I said, like I ate like a champ. Like it was unbelievable. I was like, my stomach is just so happy with me right now. Do you have like a go-to snack? For that, I was mainly eating, um, so it was a combination. Whenever I was in the car, I was eating like like uh, rice, sweet potatoes. Um, I made this like vegan green sauce, but I made it even thicker. So it's like cashews, peas, spinach, nutritional yeast, some spices, and some like magic sauce goes in there. Um, and that's like a fat bomb. So like I would put that on top of my sweet potatoes, my rice. I like arugula. I know I'm weird to most people, but I would eat like a pepper, like a whole pepper was really good. Like when you're doing something for so long, like having refreshing food is like, oh, like I feel alive again. You know, it's not like eating processed food. Um, during when I was out on trail, it was a combination of like, uh, like a all natural, like a natural, like a fruit strip, like a fruit roll up, but like a natural one. Um, some bars I would eat and uh, Red Bull. It's like my go to for everything. Uh, and then tortillas, like I would have tortilla sandwiches. So like I would have them with like avocado and rice, like a burrito, but no beans. Or I would have them with, like peanut butter and jelly. And the tortillas were great because they are like, they're packed. You can pack them with a lot of calories, but they fold up nice and neatly. So when you pull them out of the bag, you can have like four sandwiches in a bag and it's a ton of calories, but they don't make a mess. So you're not like, you know, I'm disgusting anyway, who cares? But like, you know, I don't want to be draped in peanut butter as well. You know, be like, hey, bears, come and get me. Come and get me. <laughs> I'm just thinking about you, you saying you're a mess and being like out there trying to keep it together, like with your sandwich bag. Yeah, right. You know that. Oh, that's precious calories there. You got to like keep, you know, you're like every calorie that drops on the ground, you're just like, no, I'm yeah, going to eat that. that. I need get, that. It, it's like blow it off. It's like sopping wet. You're like, it's still good. Is there any like guilty pleasure, pleasure food like snack? Uh, or would it just be the I, Red Bull? I feel like nothing, a Red Bull is like a guilt. A see, that's guilt not food. guilty. Like for me, by any means, Red Bull, I can drink. So like I tell anybody do it, like you need to do ultra stuff, find one thing that you can have and you can have it even if you're driving like or throwing up. And that's Red Bull for me. It's been like that for years. That's wild. I can put it down. It's 
great. Like my teammates have seen me out in races. She's dying right now. Get her her Red Bull. Like they go in my pack. You know, I always have one. And like 10 minutes later, I'm like, shoo, like let's rock and roll. Red Bull can be tough on the stomach. So that's pretty. I remember when Red Bull became an Ironman sponsor, like the athletes were, it was a mess because they so couldn't. So the secret. They didn't train on it. Get the flavors. The flavors are so good. There's... I'm a Red Bull guy, but I don't know. Yeah. If, like, that's the last thing I want when I'm like suffering. Oh, it doesn't bother because it's not as carbonated too. The other stuff is too carbonated for me and that can like disrupt my stomach. That you can actually run with a can of it and it won't explode. So like it's been my go-to, but. I don't know. I was eating ice cream. I ate a pint of ice cream. Um, oh, uh, Andrew from uh, Ski the Whites showed up and like Drummond. brought me a beautiful a ramen. And there then like go. Squall and I got to share. I shared my ice cream with Squall. And that was like <laughs> such a highlight for me. I was like, you you can eat this. It's oat milk. Don't worry. I'm like, of course, you know, Squally like, made an appearance on your, on your trip. my feet. I told him to stay away from them. I was like, not a place for you. <laughs> Here's some more ice cream. And I followed that little wiggle bot for a few miles too. And I honestly said afterwards, I was like, if Squall led the way right now, I'd go for 48 right this day. <laughs> no questions asked. Gone. I would be, I would be out, back out there. <laughs> you know. That's amazing. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone planning to do their first long endurance challenge? Uh, a few things, uh, if it, depending if, it, if it's something on foot, like make sure you're spending a lot of time on your feet, but obviously don't just do a lot of time and don't build up to it. Be smart in your training, which means also focus on like your recovery. Don't neglect like the rolling out, the, all the mobility stuff, like that stuff is your gravy. Like that's, that actually what really keeps you going for this. For me, I actually spent a lot of time in the gym. Um, I think it's really important to to get your strength training in because your body's falling apart. It's your like your your muscles will like good strength training will keep you going a lot longer than like just like straight up endurance training. Um, and find foods like I said, a food or a drink that you can put down even in the worst of conditions. Like think about yourself, the sickest of sick. Like what can you have that you can carry with you along the way? And most importantly, just have fun out there, go make friends with a squirrel or something um, because they will brighten your day when you feel like crap. It's true, you know, find something to laugh at. I just need to post on that. You know, you always have to, it doesn't have to be anything in sight. It doesn't, ha it could be something so stupid or it can be something just, or it could be something like one year I, I actually, I strung a bracelet, like a, I put three threads together for a death race in 2014. A friend of mine just passed like right before the death race and he worked on Wall Street and that's how we knew each other. And you'd always tell me, you got to get out of here. You have to stop. You have to get away from Wall Street. He's like, you're better than this. This is not your calling. And he would like push me and push me. And he passed away right before I did death race again. And so I like has had a string. I like braided a thread around my wrist. So if I had like a bad time, you know, it's like right there. And I looked at it and I was like, all right, Nick, like, let's do this. And like something like that, you know, you just like something to just push you a little, push you a little bit more when you feel like you can't push. And also, finally, the longer you wait, the longer it takes. Just keep moving. That's it. <laughs> keep moving. I don't care if you're going it a mile seems an so hour. It's so simple when you say it like that. Yeah, but you, I tell myself, the longer you wait, the longer it takes. I did not stop on trail during this at all. Only times I stopped was to get something out of my pack, to fix my feet. That was it. I never really took rest on trail. I took rest when I got to the car. 
because I knew the more used to I got to resting on the trail, if it was sunny, maybe I would have taken more time. But I knew that like I will get my opportunity to rest. It's much easier in those five minutes. I could be so much farther down the trail than where I was at that moment. Yeah, it's a good way to think about it. And Shane McFalls, he was on a podcast a couple weeks ago. He said, the only thing you control is your attitude. And that's like stuck with me so long. And talking with you, that's you didn't say that directly, but it's it's clearly like words you live by, whether you know or not. Like you're just like, yeah, find a squirrel, find something you like, keep moving forward. Because it's really the only thing that you can't control is the way you look at the situation that you're in. It's true. And, and if it's like a group, if it's an event, like a race, a smile is infectious. So if you smile at somebody, they'll generally smile back. Unless they're like really in the pain cave. But it's okay. <laughs> There'll be somebody else you could smile at. And you're like, ooh, never mind. Then you could be like, okay, at least I'm not there. Yeah. And they're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Just finding, finding joy in everyone else's misery. That's, <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> sometimes you have to. I'm sure with some of those races. Uh, last question. Will C. Right. Moyne asks, what's your next fkt goal or can you not talk Ooh. about it so a few years ago i was like looking at doing the pemi a small one that's not my wheelhouse like i said but i think it would be a really good way for me to push myself way outside my comfort zone as insane as that sounds but like six hours for me is a nightmare i'll do six days but that's why i want to do it it's because it's, i know it's a challenge for me um big ones you know, a few years ago in 2017, I set out to do a winter Adirondack 46. And just my luck, Mother Nature dumped four feet of snow in 24 hours my, while I was out there. My and, buddy was uh, a filmer on that, actually. Okay, so, so I, there we go. I heard all so, about it. So you've heard all about <laughs> it. So yeah, that kind of went south pretty quickly. Um, in the back of my head, I feel like, you know, like I refuse to finish my 46 in the Adirondacks unless I do it in one shot. So, so, so either I'm going to be a 41 er or 42 er for the rest of my life. Um, or I'm going to go back and do that. Um, you know, I don't know. I've had a few people actually hit me up recently and be like, come on, come back and do it. Um, you know, there's winter's a whole different ball game with like weather and lots of more, few more moving factors in terms of winter. But uh, that's still on my radar. It's still on my radar. And there's something else in the works that I got postponed from last year. But I'm not. I'm. I'm been sworn to secrecy to to not talk about it because we just want to keep it quiet. But you'll find out eventually. I understand. Yeah. Uh, it's easier where, to focus. I yeah. I even when I was talking to you to book you for this podcast, because <laughs> I asked you like a month ago, and you're like, "Oh, I'm working on an FKT." But like, you didn't really tell me, and I was like, "I don't know what you're working on," which I don't need to. But I was like. Okay, let me know when you're done with whatever you're doing. Like, <laughs> but I get it. Like, I, you know, it's. I, it's not that like I don't want to not share it because I want like I think I I took some video and stuff training leading up to this, um, and that's why I want to write a lot about it. It's just like sometimes it's easier, especially because I have like a whole other like personal life with like work and things like that. It's like sometimes it's too overwhelming for me to be able to manage everything, um, and I don't want to ignore people's questions. Like I wanted, I like to talk to people. I reason I didn't sleep for the first few nights after finishing this FKT was I was up trying to respond to every single message that came through to me because I wanted to make sure that everybody got a response and that I wanted to thank anybody and everybody just for their word of support, for their story posts, for whatever it was like, 
just like that means so much to me. And that's like what is fueling what's going to happen going forward. Um, you know, they're a big part of it. So, uh, you know, so for me, you know, I guess I can't shut up. So that for me <laughs> not to say anything makes my life easier. <laughs> just keep it a secret. <laughs> uh, you said you were writing a lot and this will wrap it up kind of, but yeah. are you going to put, a, is there like an article coming out? I'm going to put this just on my website. Okay. Stephanie, Stephanie Bishop.com. Stephanie with an F. I think it's in my Instagram, but, um, yeah, I'm almost done with it. Like I, I kind of put it into like how I got there short as possible training year, like, uh, root planning, nutrition gear, and like actually like what happened out there. Um, since I think everybody wants to know everything, you know, it's easier to just kind of like brain dump it out. Yeah. Put Um, it all out there. Put it all out there. Like what went well and what didn't like, again, like I am in shock that so much actually went well. Like the weather was like the only negative factor. It was on like, but the, the rain affected my feet. So it was like that. But otherwise, like I am in shock, like my body, I'm in shock, but my friends who were watching me train leading up to this are like, well, look at your training. Look at what you're doing leading up to this. And it's easy as a coach when I'm in that position, but when I'm the athlete in that position, you know, like, I guess I don't see it the same way. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was just luck. Like, no, I actually trained my gut to be able to handle this type of stress. I trained my body. I trained on a one-mile stretch of trail on Long Island for the majority of this. One mile. No, thank you. Back and forth. Back and forth on that one mile over and over. People were asking me if I was training for the Olympics because they would see me there all day long because I would get the most vertical gain. It's 25 minutes from me. It's the best place I have to train. I mean, I went to New Hampshire a few times. I went to the Adirondacks once um, and to the Catskills. But really, I was mainly in New York training. Um, But it was just that was mental. But that's mental training. You know, I saw it as a way to like, mentally grit and bear okay i have to do 20 miles of this 25 miles of this one mile structure trail okay just gotta keep moving the longer i wait the longer it takes (laughs) when do you want to get home it's up to you but you know like so you know like it just i learned a lot i learned a lot and i've like all of a sudden i'm like i have a big list of things i like i would like to do down the line and i'm like okay these things are a lot more feasible now uh, you're an insane human being and i mean that in the nicest politest greatest way thank you i i appreciate that ryan reynolds one time he called me crazy and i thought that was a, such a big compliment yeah it's like perfect like, thank you <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> uh where can people follow you obviously we can go to stephanie with an f bishop.com yeah and i'm most active on instagram Steph adventures i'm trying to get more youtube content up and rolling um if you can't tell already uh for me to sit it's a little difficult for me to sit still (laughs) so sitting in front of a computer editing is not my forte but i'm hoping i have a lot of content that's just sitting on memory cards from actually from adventure races and stuff that i think will kind of give everybody a real good insight as to like what goes on what really goes on out there yeah i love it i love just the insight on your instagram just your honesty again the the video of you just standing in front of the mirror was like holy shit like i would never so but thank you for sharing that because that's something like yeah we know it's hard and i think everyone sees that and i was like no way i'm not doing that but you don't actually see like what it does to your body so thank you yeah. for sharing. Thank you for hopping on the show and having a conversation. Uh, 
Thank you for chatting. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much. So that was episode 23 of The Pursuit on the Out of Bounds Network. I am at Mr. Adam X. Follow me on Instagram. Follow at Out of Bounds on I think it's out at out of podcast actually on Instagram. I don't know. I'm trying to do these like Jabber where I don't prepare anything. Follow at Steph Adventures. That's Steph with an F. Stephanie Bishop, thank you so much for being a guest. You were amazing. Your storytelling was fantastic. Uh, Very fortunate for that. We have some amazing episodes coming up. I'm really excited about those. We just got back from a trip to Oregon where we got, I can't wait for you guys to hear these guests. They're so rad amazing people that trip was amazing uh if you can please leave a review on itunes share us on spotify tag us in your social media and anything else just let us know what we can do better or what we're doing wrong love to hear your feedback Uh, i've really enjoyed the show so far and i'm happy to keep it going so let me know if there's anything you guys want to hear if there's reviews you guys want to hear If you want my opinions on things, not that my opinion matters, but I have access to a lot of gear and a lot of brands. So if there's something you want to see, let me know. Let Jabber know. Other than that, it's August. Time to have, like, winter, or winter's coming, so we might as well start enjoying the summer because it's going to be gone soon. So get outside, go outside, have fun, have the best day of your lives, and we'll see you next week.